welcome to another episode of the Ringside Rundown Podcast. My name is Eric Vasquez, and joining me on the line is my podcast partner in crime. Yes, that rhymes. She is the wonderful Shay Hickson. Shay, what's going on, my friend? Uh, nothing, nothing much. Just enjoying this nice uh, Tuesday evening. Can't really complain. How about yourself? No complaints here. You know, just uh, the summer is is winding down, you know, and uh, everything. And But they're, they're saying that there's been uh, uh, more COVID cases on the rise. So uh, yeah. I'm a little I'm a little nervous about leaving the house. Yeah, well, I unfortunately don't have a choice, <laughs> but you know, unfortunately, yeah, it's it's just one of those things that's never going to go away. I don't think, but it's still annoying. Yeah, yeah I hear you. I hear you. Um, you know, it, it is what it is. But we're here uh, for those that are new to this podcast. We are a pro wrestling podcast. We talk about things that are happening in the pro wrestling world, mainly specifically WWE and AEW, and uh, what a week it is, has been. <laughs> uh, it's been a historic week in some instances, uh, uh, for good and for bad. A, a sad week, uh, definitely yeah. sad. Uh, we lost two uh, titans of the industry, uh, basically. Um, over the past week since we recorded, which obviously we'll talk about a little later. Um, real quick before we start, obviously, we want to send our condolences to the families of Terry Funk and Wyndham Rotunda, a.k.a. Bray Wyatt. Um, obviously, we'll have some questions about that a little later uh, so we can expand upon our thoughts. But before we get into it, obviously, we want to send uh, positive thoughts out to the families of both Terry Funk and Wyndham Rotunda. Yeah, it was definitely not a not a fun start to the week for sure. Literally within a day of each other, it's like God, goddamn, it's yeah. uh, not good, not good at all. Not good at all. But like I said, it, it's a big weekend, uh, historic weekend. So why don't we get into it? Uh, what's the first question on the docket? Alrighty, let me pull these up here. So we're gonna start with uh, Jeff. Jeff's back with some questions, hey, and Jeff. um. He, yeah, he pretty much said what you and I think we're thinking. Um, what the ever-loving hell is AEW thinking, making the House of Black drop the titles? They had so much more they could do with them. It is uh, disappointing. Yeah. You know, can't say I didn't say what was going to happen. I called it to a T what was going to happen, and it did. I didn't want it to. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, they wanted to go for like the good feel-good whatever but i'm not happy about it it was still a good match though but um damn it i wanted them to have the titles longer but yeah we're just being biased yeah i think it's um it's a little bit of bias indeed um but you know i i enjoyed the match you know yeah for what it was um it was it was serviceable i definitely for me that was the the house of black entrance with the uh, with yeah. the gear, the mask and everything, you know, and, and the lantern and everything, mm. that was probably my entrance of the night for sure. Oh yeah, um, yeah. It was just a cool entrance. Uh, the match was serviceable. I kind of, you, you kind of have to like. Again, we talk about like logic and booking and how AEW seems to maybe have that issue sometimes. Um, yeah. But like, 
I can I can see why they did the deal with the with uh with uh the acclaimed and giving them the titles and setting up Billy Gunn to come back and stuff like that. So um it was probably one of the smarter ideas, I guess you could say. But again, we just didn't like it because it's it's like a bias, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we <sighs> it was a good match. It was just I I just held out hope a little bit the House of Black would win, but I knew they weren't going to, so it's like it's fine, I guess, but <laughs> Yeah, it's it, it's just it's it's one of those things where like you're like, uh, eh, take it or leave it, you know? Just give them something else to do though. Don't just yeah. throw them into creative the creative void now because they don't have the titles. Like they can do stuff without them. Please. Please. Yeah, I just like I wonder because you saw that after the match was over, um, House of Black presented the belts to uh, the acclaimed and everything like that. Um, so I'm wondering if, like, maybe there's a de facto face turn? Uh, maybe. I mean, their act works regardless, so I wouldn't be opposed to it. I mean, we're, we're still going to like it either way, but, um, yeah, I wouldn't be mad if they did it. Yeah, I, I I think I'm I'm interested in how they would make that happen because like, you know, House of Black is such a dark, mysterious character base uh, stuff. You know, it's kind of hard to portray good guys in that whole situation. So yeah. it, it'll definitely it'll definitely be interesting to see how they go about it. But again, um, like I said, I just think like AEW kind of did the smart thing. It would kind of be weird to have Billy Gun like build up that Billy Gunn situation and then have him come back and then they end up losing at yeah. all in. So I can kind of, I can kind of see why, why they, they just went the logical route with the booking and, and gave the acclaim the titles. Yeah. I'm just, honestly, I'm just glad house of Bell. I got even on the show to begin with. Cause we didn't think they were going to. Um, right. And they got on the show late too. Yeah. Like literally the week before days before, um, yeah. which, <sighs> I'll save my one rant for later on in the show because I feel like we have a question about all out, but it kind of ties into that, I suppose. But yeah, um, I'm glad they got on. Uh, just not happy. They won. They lost, but it's (laughs) fine, I guess. (sighs) But anyway, moving on. Um, all right. So we have quite a few questions about this. So we're just going to get it out of the way now. Uh, do we honestly feel Soraya having the title, elevates the women's division in AEW. Jeff doesn't think she's proven she's ready to carry the division on her shoulders yet. Uh, This is... This is tough for me, especially me, because we've talked about it on the show before. Soraya's been one of my favorite women's wrestlers for years. She's the one that got me back into women's wrestling. I was... I was worried they were going to do this. And I think I even sent it to you when it happened. I'm like, they fell for the trap. They fell for the feel-good hometown moment trap. Um, But I will say, though, the match itself, very good. I liked it. I thought it was really good. Um, I hated where they put it initially because they put it right after Stadium Stampede, I I believe, right? Trying to remember. Yeah, 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 it came after Stadium Stampede. And so I'm like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Like, you're going to literally put them in this spot. Okay, great. What could possibly go wrong, guys? Like, you know, fantastic. Thank God the crowd was still into it because they could have easily been dead the whole time. Um, 
I, I will say though, it was cool seeing Soraya come out with the whole like Knight family. That was really cool. Um, mm. Her mom getting involved later on was even cooler, I thought. Um, but was it just me? And I was trying to like not be biased about it, but I feel like a lot of other people objectively agreed. I feel like Bray got the biggest reaction out of all of them. Mm. I don't even think Soraya got the biggest reaction with the entrances. I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was Britt because Britt got a really good ovation from the crowd which i was happy about of course um and that stomp on tony in the middle of the submission hole that was that was so nasty um so the match itself was great they uh were able to keep the crowd into it even after the stadium stampede soraya winning though is just i don't i don't know how to feel about it yet i mean on one hand i'm really happy because like of all the stuff she's gone through the fact that she at one point is never going to even wrestle again to have the title is a really cool thing to see and obviously one of my favorite women's wrestlers but then why'd they have to screw sheet over like that because god i felt so bad because they were like giving her flowers on the way to the ring really they were like she was one of the best women's champions we've had she had to do it with like no fans in the arena so i'm glad she finally gets this moment and then she loses the title and she held it for what a month maybe if that Mm. yeah that's my only gripe um i kind of it's kind of similar to to the previous question about um the acclaim winning the titles i kind of understand why they why they went with soraya obviously it was a big moment her family was there uh, she was in her home country. So again, yeah. I like I if I was in charge, I would have been on the fence about it, whether to give yeah. the title to Soraya. But again, um, I don't think it was a bad move. But he brings up a good question in the sense, can she shoulder the responsibility of being the women's champion for this division? She really, ever since she's gotten back to AEW, hasn't really been able to prove herself that she can go be a workhorse because i feel like yeah. that's the thing with with aew especially their champions in a sense um they kind of want them to be workhorses you look at like orange cassidy something like that yeah. um in terms of the match itself i thought the match was great my favorite part was when when tony accidentally uh mm-hmm. formed soraya's mom i thought yeah. that whole situation and the facial expressions and, and and the the acting of it all between her and Soraya was fantastic. I think that was great. Um, the match was well scripted, well constructed. The pacing was fine. Um, but again, it, that's the that's the main thing. Like I I get it. They want that feel good moment. But then it's like, well, what do you do afterward? How do you yeah. continue this story with the outcast? Because now there seems to be some dissension involved. Oh, um, that's putting it mildly. Yeah. So, and and on top of that, like Tony Storm's new character has been yeah. phenomenal. Um, you know, yeah. they're really leaning into it with the the new entrance and the new attire and and things like that. So, it they're really leaning into it. So, I think that's great. It's just a matter of okay, where do you go? Here, where do you go now with this whole situation? And how do you build up Soraya? Because I don't think anybody really thought that she would like. There's probably people that said, yeah, they're probably going to give her the belt because they want that feel-good moment. But, like, again, yeah. there are probably people on the fence. If it was me, I probably wouldn't have given uh, Sheeta the belt for to only hold it for a month and, yeah. and make her 
make her a transitional champion. Transitional champions never really look good. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it just, it just looks like it, it. It just doesn't. It just doesn't work. Um, so, like, I probably wouldn't initially have taken the belt off of Tony Storm if if she was only going to hold it for a month. Yeah, I I completely agree. It just ah, it just feels just so icky because poor Sheeta deserved a lot better than that. But um, you know, props to her for just going along with it and being a good worker, I guess. But damn, I just feel like they just fell into the trap one too many times on this pay per view of the feel-good moment when it didn't really make sense to do so um which we'll talk about later but um yeah no i like the match that moment with tony and soraya's mom was really cool like i said the stomp the brit hit on tony was brutal um i don't know how her face isn't hurting after that one because there was no cover or anything that was just (laughs) flattened to the mat but um yeah no i say it was pretty good i i'll just say let's just Give it some time. See what they do with Soraya and the Outcast and whatever. I'm not sure yet. The jury's still out on if she can handle the burdens of being the champion of this division, but she is, and we're just gonna have to go with it, I guess. Yeah, I can. Uh, I can. I can agree with you there. Like you said, the jury's still out. I'm still, like I said, I'm still on the fence because again, it, it obviously you could tell it was just a a feel good moment grab. Which is fine, but it's all yeah. about what can what can we do now? Like, what are we gonna do afterward to make this credible? Yeah, exactly. So we'll see if that was a mistake or wasn't. I hope it wasn't, but time will tell. Yeah. All right. So Jeff's next question. We literally have two other questions exactly like it. So we're gonna save that one for. Uh, we're gonna save the best for last on that one. So we're gonna move to his other question, which is um, something that you and I have been talking about for the last few days now. Mm. And we joked that it was going to single-handedly cover this entire show. And that is the ongoing, continuous, why can't we ever stop this drama with good old CM Punk. Oh, our buddy Phil Brooks. Boy, yeah, it's just I already have the I already have the title for this episode. It just never ends. It never <laughs> ends. Because I said it to Jack, I said it to Mom, I said it to you, you said it to me. So Jeff's question is with the latest Paxdays issues for Punk, should AEW just cut ties with him entirely? Jeff doesn't think he's worth the trouble revenue-wise. At this rate, yeah. I mean, hell, there was some rumor that he had already quit, apparently. So, (sighs) I just... It's all a lot, you know? It's a lot. Especially this go-round. This go-round was a lot. I did find it funny that... um, So, for anyone living under a rock that didn't hear what happened, supposedly... There was, right before Punk's opening match with Samoa Joe at All In, apparently there was a scuffle between him and Jack Perry because of a previous issue they had had with the, uh, what was it, like, Perry used, like, glass and wanted to use real glass or something, and Punk didn't like it, and then, and it was so funny just seeing the series of tweets come across my timeline the last few days, because first it was, we don't know who started the fight, and then it turned into... 
Jack Perry started it and Punk ended it and then it turned into Punk started it and ended it. And it was just like this after this, after this, after this. And then it comes forward that Tony Khan was like steps away. Monitors were falling on him. Punk says he supposedly says he hates this place because of all the issues in the company, which I find ironic. I find that so funny that you're mad because of all the issues in the company that you're causing. You are the one causing these issues and you're going to be mad about it. Okay. That's I, again, ironic, um, hypocritical, but whatever. And well, supposedly there was another rumor that him and Miro almost got into a, like a fight afterwards, but I think they said that wasn't true. That was like overhyped and overblown, but <sighs> the stuff with Jack Perry wasn't. And then it was, Jose the Punk was allowed to stay at Wembley, but Jack had to leave. And then supposedly they were both suspended, but neither one of them heard about the suspensions. And now they are suspended, so they're not on All Out. And I need a nap. <laughs> I need I'm a nap. I'm with you there. Um, yeah, it's just all very weird. It sounds like a very weird day, uh, day for one CM Punk. I mean, he gets to the airport and he doesn't yeah. have a car waiting for him to take him to the hotel he texts the driver uh with the number provided to him by aew and comes back as an invalid number so he has to take the train in public amongst a bunch of fans yeah he has no idea where he's going so i can i can see why that uh would would start his day off with a little bit of annoyance um, yeah. Now the thing with Jack Perry in the glass, uh, I didn't, I couldn't connect the dots. Maybe I wasn't online as much as everybody else, but that was the situation. Punk vetoed an idea to use real glass in a match. I think so. Yeah. I, or I, was, I think like, or I think Jack wanted to use it. I would think in like maybe the RVD match or something, and Punk didn't like it and. Jack didn't care that he didn't like it. And so, of course, Punk bruised his ego. He didn't like that. And so I guess when I believe when I believe when Hook and Jack were in the match at All In on the on Zero Hour and they used the windshield, yeah, he, yeah, he I think, made the comment. Yeah, he said that's real glass, bitch, blah, blah, yeah. blah. You know, that I caught. You know, I was and I was wondering, like, I didn't I didn't know what that was in, in reference to. So, like, the whole deal was kind of confusing on me. Uh, I did enjoy the 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 limo spots that they did yeah. in the match. I, th I think it elevated the match and, and made it seem bigger uh, than what it was. Um, but, yeah, uh, so he gets into this deal with with Jack Perry. They scuffle in front of Tony Khan to where monitors fall on Tony Khan. Uh, apparently, this is just the, the rumor part, but Miro walks by, sees Punk, and he goes, well, what the hell happened with Jack Perry? And Punk took offense to that and goes, well, you can meet me outside too, and we can get it on. And so he, now he's confronting Miro, apparently. Um, then, like, he gets into a heated argument with Tony Khan, threatens to quit, he hates the place, da-da-da-da-da. I feel like there's still more. Like, it's just so crazy. I feel like I need to just, like, I need to, like, search Twitter as we're talking about this, because I feel yeah. like if I do, something's going to happen, so. Oh, um, the big thing was that 
he they they were him and Samoa Joe were supposed to open the show. Samoa Joe yeah. had to convince Punk to actually have the match because Punk was ready to dip out right there and then. Uh, so Samoa Joe had to like apparently from what I read had to argue with Punk to make this match happen. Now the match mm-hmm. was went on first. Here's the situation. They didn't even know if the match was going to happen. So Tony Khan's scrambling and he goes to the Bucks and says, can you guys at FTR open the show? The Bucks say they can't because they're not ready. And then so he goes to the Golden Elite as Hangman and Kenny, are, are they comfortable open the show? And they said, yeah, I guess we'll do it. And then um, that's when Samoa Joe was able to convince Punk uh, to you know, had the match open the show, and thank God they did because it was one of the better matches on the card. Um, yeah, you know, in, in terms of the the match quality, I really enjoyed the spot where uh, Joe caught Punk in from that lana <laughs> to the outside, and then he just throws him into the the commentator's desk, which explodes underneath. I thought that was beautiful. Uh, the blood was a, a nice touch, you know. So it was a it was a great match. So imagine if they. And they didn't have that match. I'm surprised the match opened the show. Uh, I'm I'm glad it did, but that that drama with Jack Perry, it's just it's just so weird. Like I see a lot of people that I follow because they said apparently Jack Perry had mentioned that he was going to say what he said about the glass during the match with Hook, and a lot of mm-hmm. people were like, "How come nobody stopped?" jack perry and told him that was probably a bad idea yeah i well okay so apparently the whole cm punk marrow thing was like a sarcastic like joking exchange so it's not it wasn't a real thing apparently from what i've seen um well well, that's good it still doesn't take away from the fact that this is all just one big shit show but um uh, I'm it so tired. It completely overshadows the fact that All In was a success because people are not talking about how successful All In was. They're talking about this. Yeah, which is the exact opposite of what we need to be doing. But here we here we are. So it's like I. Uh, hmm. I'm so tired. Yeah, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. Like, when does it end? It doesn't. It literally doesn't. And again, the thing that's killing me is the fact that he's going, I hate this place. There's so much drama here. It's like, you're the one that perpetuates it. And yet, you're going to, like, you're going to pull that shit? Okay. Like, yeah. I don't know. In terms of, uh, of if he's worth it or not, I kind of I no. feel like we hinted we hinted before uh, when um, the issues with Jack Perry started popping up before, like yeah. wasn't there, wasn't there issues like before this was kind of brewing right? Yeah, I think so. And you know that once Punk gets pissy about something, he doesn't let it go. So right. clearly, it's tough because it's like. Everyone knows how fragile his ego is, I guess. Mm-hmm. So you would think if you were Jack, you might not have wanted to say something. But at the same time, you also shouldn't be walking on eggshells in your office either. So, you know. Yeah, it's <sighs> just. I don't, I and now don't think he. No, go ahead. 
I was just going to say, I don't think he's he's worth it at this point. I don't no, think and you it, even though. get suspended from your own hometown pay-per-view show. Yeah. One of the main reasons you go to Chicago 50 times a year, and you're not even oh, on the show. Oh my god, this is it's a mess. Yeah, um, but long story short, no, I don't. At this rate, he's not worth it. Like it's not, it's not worth it. And I find it funny that um, someone made the joke that I see punks carrying on the tradition of opening the show as champion. <laughs> that made me made me laugh a little bit because you know not wrong, um, but. Uh, it's not worth it anymore. We we tried. We tried to give him the benefit of the doubt. Oh, maybe he'll behave this time. Clearly he hasn't. So no. It's it's just not. Yes. It's not worth the money anymore. Because at this rate, the money's not even gonna be coming in if he keeps it up. So uh no. I I honestly can see I can honestly see him going to to WWE real quick and maybe uh doing like a part-time schedule just the big shows because at this point if he really even cares about um wrestling if he even cares about what he wants to do in wrestling and not just for payday that's pretty much his only option at this point um yeah because they, yeah. they don't even they don't even they didn't even tell him he was suspended he found out apparently he found out he was suspended through a lawyer oh well yeah they didn't even uh they I mean, they couldn't even pick him up from the airport, so I should tell you something. <laughs> oh, that's just the craziest thing. Yeah, it also doesn't make AEW look so good either, because it's just like, he's one of your top stars and you couldn't get someone to go pick him up? Like, I get that he's a pain in the ass, but still, mm-hmm. like, I, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's yeah, a shit show so, all around. Yeah, it's, um, it's not good. It's not good. No. Um, the thing is, like they they created this whole new show, Collision, to placate him and to satisfy his demands, and now they don't even have their main guy for the show. So I would expect the the elite to be pulling double duty and and a twist of irony, uh, having yeah. to do both Dynamite and Collision because now they need. They need that ratings grab. Yeah, because God knows I, uh, <laughs> it's not looking too hot right now. But um, on top of that question, I'm just going to piggyback on Jeff's next question. is: uh, Should Jack Perry face any repercussions from the incident? Jeff doesn't think he should, but he's also not in charge. Um, I mean, like, if... <sighs> If he got physical in the fight, too, you kind of almost have to. You can't just be like, you kind of can't let it go if it gets physical. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I can see why both of them got in trouble. So, yeah, I mean, regardless of if he started it or not, you put your hands on somebody else. That's not usually good in most job settings. So, um, right. yeah. Yeah. And it goes back to what I said earlier. If he had made it known to other people that he was planning to make those comments and he knew what he was doing in terms of he was going to antagonize punk. Um, whoever he told those comments to should have been like, Hey, that's probably Shut up. not a good idea. You know, this is kind of a historic show. We don't want to take the shine off of that. You, you know, know how sensitive wanna... he gets. Exactly. Like, 
Like, I wish somebody, whoever he was telling these comments to, were probably like, hey, that's not a good idea. Let's just let's just put that one in the back pocket and let it go. Yeah, no. So, um, I don't think anyone's exempt from this whole shit show. There were mistakes on both sides. Some are just more glaring than others. But, uh, yeah, it's just a mess. It's just yeah. one big fucking mess is what it is. Yeah, it sure is. <sighs> So now we go from that to something that I know you have quite a few opinions on. Um, and yeah, uh, was having MJF go over Adam Cole the right call. Jeff thinks mm. he almost feels like Cole should have been or would be the better champion. That's the yes. thing. I don't I don't know. It's kind of hard to tell because like MJF when when he has these matches where where the title is the center focus of everything that's going on. He has these great matches. The thing is, they just don't happen on a consistent basis. So you can't really gauge whether or not him being champion is working. You yeah. know, it's just like his matches are too far in between the title matches and things like that to say, yeah, he's a credible champion. This reign has been legit. It's been great. Um, and that's kind of why I've been so anti the whole better than you baby situation because it takes shine off of MJF being the world champion. Um, they were they were almost doing AEW in a sense. They were doing the world champion stuff with CM Punk in his X belt rather than their main champion with with MJF. So yeah. that's why it was always it was always weird to me. Um, but in terms of putting the belt on Cole, I don't know because the, the match itself, which I'm sure we we have questions about, but the yeah, yeah the we match is, we the match itself was 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 sports entertainment booked. Whereas, oh yes. Whereas the the first match between him and Cole that went to the draw, that was more like AEW wrestling style. This one yeah. was more, there were a lot of shenanigans, uh, a lot drama. of posture, yeah, drama, posturing, posing, you know, all that stuff. And then they did the thing again at the end of the show where they, they, they teased it and they teased it and they teased it and they teased it and then nothing happens, you know? Yeah, yeah, it was just like, I, my mom and I were sitting there, and then I'm like, maybe they'll do the WWE thing, don't trust the word mark at the bottom, like, don't, like, they might do something, and then I went to black, and I'm like, wait, no, that's it, like, you, yeah. you can't be serious that you pulled this shit again. It's, and, like, it's, it's, it's like meeting that girl, and she's like, she's like saying all these things that she wants to do to you, and then you take her back to your place, and she falls asleep. Yeah, yeah, literally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's pretty accurate if you think of it. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, because it, it was like it was it was a tease and a tease and a tease. They had Roddy come out. Roddy's doing the crying thing. Yeah, yeah. God, Roddy's just annoying at this point. Roddy leaves, then Roddy comes back, and then it's just like this was so wwe booked i don't think it was overbooked but it was so a clear contrast to what AEW usually does yeah it was just that was the most insane part to me it was just like 
they kept it going and going and going and then it just went to black so it's just well like, because you have a theory about this whole storyline you think it is aw's version or their i don't know their answer to the bloodline storyline which yeah. i feel, i, I feel, no. the the way i feel about it is they look at the success of the bloodline story and the fact that it's built on so much drama um and that's the main gear to the success of it people uh, people this day and age when it comes to wrestling they want that drama aspect of it they want to know why their struggle exists so i feel like aw is really putting their eggs in that basket of Let's make this MJF, Adam Cole situation, you know, drama-filled with real-life stuff in terms of MJF's uh, mental illnesses, his, yeah. his vulnerability, and stuff like that. But I think where they went wrong is they did too much hokey stuff. Like, yeah. you, know, you know, they just they did too many comedy bits to, to, to make it... For in yeah. my eyes to make it serious like i get people like it the majority of the fan base likes it they they but in, in my eyes as a fan it's just like like all in at wembley in front of eighty one thousand people that should have been the culmination of everything like that's when yeah. you you put the stamp on it you know that's the the ending we even see if you want to put the comparison in detail like we see with the bloodline, people are still arguing and writing think pieces about how WrestleMania 39 and Cody losing was a yeah. bad decision. But we also see the progression of the storyline and how it works afterward. You know, so I I, I can see why AEW wanted to do. Again, I I feel like it, it it's there. It's AEW trying to go well. This is our cinema presentation with all of our drama and all of our real life struggle. And it's just like, well, I can understand that. But again, there was too much of the, of the hokey shit going on. And, and I'm just like, there, there's a time and a place for, for comedy and wrestling. Like, I'm not saying don't do comedy. Don't try to show a humor side to it. But like when it's done over and over again, when you're supposed to be a serious champion and this is supposed to be some serious real-life drama, it just doesn't connect with me. Well, and my point, too, and obviously you and I talked about it um, over our DMs, my problem is, if you want to make a counter to the Bloodline storyline, fine. A who's going to turn on who storyline is not going to have the longevity as the Bloodline storyline does, because they found a way to make so many different pieces and so many different aspects just work where it's like okay well this has to be the end and then something else happens you're like ah shit yeah that could have been that was a thing why didn't i think of that when it comes to this kind of storyline i even i said it it you can't after a while be like oh someone's gonna turn oh, someone's oh no just kidding no they're fine oh no the other one's gonna turn it's like you don't that kind of storyline is not built for years essentially like the bloodline you can't have something like that going for years because people are going to get mad after a while because they'll be like okay one of you just turn already this is just kind of ridiculous now and they've done it twice they could have turned somebody uh a little bit ago didn't do it 
didn't do it at all in and now they're the ring of honor tag champions because they fell for that trap too so i'm just like yeah it's just why there's like two stories going on but i don't even think like people are are, i don't even think this is going to get people invested into the the roh tag team scene no i don't think so you know because like it's you couldn't even put your women's world champion on the show what makes you think people are going to care about your tag titles like come on yeah it's just it's just uh i I like i i feel like AEW is booking themselves into a corner where instead of having six months of booking planned out and just following that path they're going week by week you know yeah and it doesn't work feel let's feel for this let's feel for that but the situation is like you have to gauge it on two things you have to gauge on how the internet reacts to it and then you have to uh, you have to worry about how the live audience reacts to it and we have questions about the live audience and the fact they're not able to fill in the arenas and not only that but like they're in such obscure markets you know in these random towns that like to gauge a live reaction to it it's kind of difficult well, and fans flip-flop more than a pancake, so I mean, you can't go off of the fans all the time, because we've said yeah. it before, they don't know what they want sometimes, mm-hmm. so you kind of can't just be like, oh, well, the fans want this, so we're just going to do this. It's like, okay, maybe that's not the best idea. Some people might mm-hmm. think it's a good idea, but it's, in hindsight, really not, but yeah, it's just a, <laughs> it's just another mess that we yeah, have to deal with. Yeah. It great it's a great time um so jeff's old podcast for the love of joe she is going to be returning soon uh he's got a different format more informative stuff he's going to let us know when uh exactly soon and when he does i'm sure we will plug the hell out of it on the show so i'm excited to see what he uh he's got cooked up for it that's awesome you know it's 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 great that uh more people are are looking at podcasting as an avenue of creativity i know it gets a lot of flack because there's so many podcasts nowadays all you have to do is just you know set up a microphone computer and you're good to go um but like if people you know i'm always supportive of people that have a passion for what they do and like want to you know present as much information as they can so i'm definitely uh supportive and and looking forward to what he's got cooking I completely agree with that. So we will definitely be shouting Jeff and the podcast out whenever he comes back. And I'm uh, excited to listen to it at work because I sometimes listen to podcasts at work because you get tired of music all the time. So For sure. I'm excited to see what he's got planned. And uh, Jeff's last question is, who should EO be having a long feud with first? He thinks it should uh, be Oscar, which, yeah, I completely agree with that one because we've been clamoring for an oscar neo feud for years at this point why why not now oh yeah you want to talk about you know real life and and a backstory to what uh eo and and oscar have going on it's right there so whenever they decide to pull the trigger on that um it'll it'll be great stuff i feel like eo you know has been on a tear in her matches her match with uh zelina vega this past friday was really really good I enjoyed yeah. that match. She's just wrestling on on a different level, and and Oscar would be a great test for her. Yeah, and it's just like finally giving the fans what we've been wanting for a very, 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 very long time. So, 
yeah, it has to be Oscar. Any other answer is um, incorrect at this point, but <laughs> we'll see. But yeah, I would definitely say Oscar should be the next one for sure. for sure. All right, so that was all of Jeff's questions. So thank you as always. We appreciate it. Thanks, Jeff. All right, Anna, let's move on to mom's questions. And her, her first one is um, she can't really believe all of this drama in the Judgment Day over uh, J.D. McDonough. Mm. Eh, yeah. I mean, I've, I think the problem is they kind of waited a little too late for this. Like, yeah, they hinted at it months ago and we're like, oh, shit, this is how the Judgment Day is going down. And then it's like. They did nothing for a very long time. So it's like, okay, well, now you guys are doing it, but what what took you so long? Yeah, yeah. I feel like uh, they, like you said, they kind of waited a little bit too long to do it. I, I kind of, I like it and I don't like it. I like it because it, it makes sense between the history of Finn Balor and J.D. McDonough, McDonough being Balor's protege and the man that trained him there's some real life uh connection there that would make sense uh but i feel and this is the part that i don't like i feel like the chemistry and the dichotomy between the judgment day members has been so good and the yeah. flow of it has been so great that if, if if the bloodline can't be around every week or they're taking a break from it um so it doesn't get stale they should really be amping up the judgment day and have him kind of run roughshod over everything, which like they have moments like a couple weeks ago where they ended the show standing the tall over, over uh, Seth Rollins. I thought, okay, they're back on track to, to run everything. And then they go back to this dissension. Um, yeah. I'm interested. I'm interested in seeing because like Rhea Ripley says by payback, you know, we should all have gold or else. So what does Ooh. that mean? <laughs> I wouldn't want to piss her off, so Yeah. She it's funny how like like when Judgment Day started after they kicked out Edge, like it looked like Balor was gonna be the leader of everything. Yeah. But it's nope. it's really Rhea Ripley that's pulling the strings. Oh yeah. Like she commands respect over anybody, so it <laughs> it was not a surprise that she's the de facto leader of Judgment Day, but uh Yeah, I mean <sighs> Judgment Day is still a big deal. It's just, I don't know what direction they're going in. I mean, for God's sake, the payback poster is all of them. Like the, the payback poster is literally Judgment Day. So what are we doing? Like, stop giving us whiplash, please, because I want to be able to focus on it. But yeah, it's, yeah. it's too much. It's too much. <laughs> Alrighty, what are our final thoughts on All In? I mm, thought it was a really good show. Yeah. I, it's tough because I, I literally sent you this right before we went on air where Eric Bischoff essentially was like, yeah, this wasn't a WrestleMania, whatever. And it's tough because you can't really have a show that is touted as the biggest show in wrestling history and not have it automatically get compared to the other biggest show in wrestling history, which is WrestleMania, because there's nothing else. There's no other big ass show that compares to something like WrestleMania. So I, I agree with him in a sense because leading up to the show, I'm just like, 
I don't really get the same feeling I get like when it's WrestleMania season. Like, I mean, obviously this year it's going to be a, on a completely whole other level for obvious reasons, but it's just like, it just didn't have that feeling of like, oh, I can't wait for the, like, I wasn't like super overly excited. Like, oh my God, my butt has to be in the seat as soon as the show starts. So I was like, I'll be there. I'm just not, this just doesn't feel like the biggest show, but it is still a good show, though. I can at least say, yeah, it didn't feel like WrestleMania to me, but it was still really good. There were a couple things where I was like, eh, not sure why we had to do that. But yeah, other than that, there wasn't really anything terrible that I can remember off the top of my head, unless I'm just forgetting something. But I'd say overall it was pretty good. Yeah, like, I, it's like what I told you um, when when you sent me that. The the thing is, like, it's it's a monumentous occasion you know incredible feat that what AEW was able to pull off getting 81,000 people in an arena but like this is this was the first all in London you know so to be so to to compare it to Wrestlemania which has had 39 iterations of it over the years you know that's that's it's really hard to do Wrestlemania is is a pop culture institution you know um there are there are people that don't watch wrestling regularly but if they have the opportunity they will tune into what is happening at wrestlemania it's just that's just the way it is um but again that didn't happen like right after the the first wrestlemania after like wrestlemania 3 and and the effect that that had then it started picking up the momentum I think what AEW uh, by going back to London next year is a brilliant move. Um, oh yeah, cause, yeah. Because they're gonna they're gonna do exactly what they did this year, and may, th- hopefully they learn from their mistakes uh, this go around, so they can deliver an even more polished show next year. But I think having AEW London every year would be a great idea for the simple fact that it gives the UK wrestling scene which is so passionate and 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 such fever pitch uh when it comes to wrestling it gives them something that's their own that they they can look forward to you know and and they they are fiercely loyal to 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 wrestling i know i know even when tna went to the uk they did massive numbers because the uk fans just they just like wrestling you know and they and they don't get live wrestling in terms of the big companies, they don't get them that often. You know, they get them every once a year, you know, stuff like that. But a big show like All In, they don't get that often. So I think it's a great idea that they're going back to London. Um, again, they can just refine everything that maybe didn't hit this go around. And eventually, All In will become the institution that WrestleMania is if they keep going. Yeah, I completely agree. I couldn't have said it better myself. So we kind of touched on this one a little bit earlier. Was it the right call for the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships to change hands? No, I don't. I don't think so. They fell into the trap that we talked about earlier. We fell into the trap of, oh, well, we need to do this feel good moment because the fans will just lose their shit if they win, and it's just like, okay, but now what do you do? Because what could have worked was okay, well, they won the titles and then they like broke up as best friends in the main event. And then it's like, oh shit, now what do they do? Cause they have the titles. Yeah. 
now it's like okay you have the titles but you're also still friends so it's like where's the drama there really yeah. isn't any drama right now so no i think they just fell fell into the trap of not doing the logical booking and just doing what oh the fans will love that it's just like yeah they will for maybe a few weeks and then uh, they're gonna move on to something else and now you're gonna be stuck because you booked yourself into a corner yeah this is i what i would have done is i would have had Roderick Strong get involved, cause yes. a disqualification. Uh, the disqualification doesn't take all take the the belts off of uh, Ozzy Open, but it doesn't make them look stronger than Adam Cole and MJF. But yeah. um, what it does is two things. First, it can give an out for a little bit of that drama where MJF kind of is looking at Adam Cole and like going, "This is your boy." He's he screwed this up, and it shows MJF getting a little pissed off, and maybe he yeah. walks out on Adam Cole at that pre-show. They don't talk for the rest of the show, so that drama is brewing there. But it also, being that Roderick Strong is now aligned with the kingdom, it gives the kingdom an in in terms of working an angle where they can uh, work with Aussie Open and develop that tag team division in ROH. Again, they're trying to develop the tag team division with the ch- new champions being AEW. And that just doesn't make sense. Yeah, it it really doesn't. It's just... <laughs> Again, uh... This, this could have been avoided a long time ago if they just didn't back themselves into a corner after that collision match with FTR. Exactly, and now they're going to be paying for it because at some point something's going to go wrong and people are going to be like, why the hell did you do that? Well, they didn't give themselves a choice. They handcuffed themselves. Yeah, that's basically it. They they got handcuffed. Yeah, exactly. It's just... It's a mess. Yeah. Um... Would we have turned either MJF or Adam? I think, at least in the storyline that they gave us, I would have turned MJF because they were hinting at Adam way too much. Like, way too much to the point of, I think they're just doing this just to fake us out. Because Mm -hmm. he was the one acting like the asshole during the match. MJF was like second guessing being late or doing using dirty tactics to get ahead. And Adam wasn't hesitating at all. Like, MJF didn't want to pile drive him through the table and Adam wasted a little time in doing it. So it was almost just like, but again, booking themselves back into that corner of if Adam turns, it was so obvious that he could have turned that it would have been like, okay, well that's not a surprise because we saw it coming for the last like week and a half or you turn MJF and people would have been like, oh, well, that's just MJF being MJF. What else is new anyway? It's just like, there's really no, win-win situation in this something's gonna be screwed up somehow because they did it to themselves again yeah it's just again um it's it's tough because mjf as a face like it's it's kind of working because like he talks about real stuff like with his you know his adhd and his uh rejection disorder and things like that so, like, that's stuff that people can identify with, that they can connect with MJF. So, on, on, on that level, it works. He, but he's just such a good heel. Like, he's exactly. such a good heel. Even, yeah, even when he's doing the low-hanging fruit, like, you can dismiss it because everything else is just top tier. Um, 
and and the and the same can be said for for Adam Cole. We've never really seen Adam Cole in this position as a face where he's uh you know embracing the adoration from the fans yeah. because the fans always respected Adam Cole for how good he was. Um you know, he was just always the guy who was kind of always devious, always had a backup plan to get what he wanted and we kind of saw that in the match where he like you said, he um where where MJF was a little apprehensive about doing certain things. Adam Cole was not. I mean, that brain buster to the outside on the steel steps mm-hmm. was God. just, I went, holy crap. Like, that was yeah. intense. Like, you know, like, you know, so it was those little things. It's just the, like, they're, they're very good at what they're doing, whether it be heel or face individually. I just think the idea of them being a tag team and now being tag team champions it, like you, we've been saying for the past five, ten minutes, is just backing them into a corner creatively. Yeah, I completely agree. They just, this is what happens when you listen to the fans a little too much. Yeah, like it's just, I, I get it. Like you, you want to make the fans happy and everybody's kind of enjoying it. But like, I feel like once they hit that first roadblock of maybe it gets stale or maybe they make a bad creative move that that doesn't yeah. really make sense that that's when the fans are going to turn and then that's when you're going to see the fans coming out of the woodwork going well this shouldn't have happened in the first place because of this 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 and this and it's like well we've been yeah. saying it from the beginning <laughs> like, you know, yeah, like we you know? we beat you to it guys nice try but <laughs> you know <sighs> mm. yeah well <laughs> there will i have a feeling there will come a time where we said well guys we told you so but when that happened remains to be seen. <laughs> uh, all right. So, of course, um, mom wanted to say rest in peace, Bray Wyatt. So very sad. Same with uh, Terry Funk. I Again, I want to keep like all of that towards the end because we have quite a few questions about it. So I figured save that for last because mm-hmm. we could spend a lot of time on that one. So her next question after that, or her last question after that, is there <laughs> what I was getting ready to scream about. Is there anything really special about All Out at this point? Is there anything special? Uh, <sighs> Special-wise, no. It just no. feels like it just feels like another pay-per-view. I mean, I don't even know what the what the card is. I can tell you what one match is on the card because I have a lot of feelings about it. <sighs> You got Stat and Ruby for the TBS title. Oh yeah, that's that's happening. Uh, Which okay, all right, I'm gonna go off for a minute. Let me just let me just get to tweet here. All right, so first off, I'm just excited for that match because I love both of them. We know this. This is nothing new. However, you mean to tell me on the biggest show in wrestling history, you had, and I'm pretty sure this isn't an exaggeration, except maybe. Minus one title, you had every other goddamn title on the line, even a title that doesn't even exist in AEW. It's not even a sanctioned title, and you just couldn't put the other woman's title on the show. Like really? Yeah. That's I would. What I would have put them on the. I would have put them on the on the pre-show. Yeah. Um, and and not had that tag team match with MJF and Adam Cole pulling double duty. Like, no, like I. At that point, I wouldn't have even cared if they were on the pre-show. At least they're on the goddamn card. But it's just like, really, guys? Like, 
one of your more popular women's wrestlers and you just couldn't find a spot for her on the card and you have to put her on the secondary pay-per-view because let's be completely honest that's what all out is the tribalists can be mad about it all they want it's the truth this is the secondary pay-per-view no one gives a shit about all out because of all in that's just how it is so you put them on that show at like i hate that they did that that really made me mad like when ruby because i was mad because i was going off before um collision even happened and so mom's or rampage and mom's like hey don't worry about it maybe they'll just make a last second like addition they did it with house of black maybe they'll put her put them on all in i'm like i hope so so then ruby's promo comes up and i'm like oh thank god here we go maybe my prayers are going to be answered and she's like all out and i'm like are you fucking kidding me so hmm. i was not happy i'm still not happy but you know what they better give them enough time i'm telling you right now like you gotta give them at least 10 15 minutes give them something oh, yeah. because both of them are so good in the ring they could use that time like it's nothing so god i'm just mad that made me so fucking mad that they couldn't put out of all of that time you couldn't put another women's match on the card like really why are we still doing this why is this still a thing yeah i agree with you um I just find it weird that, like, there were some people from the AEW roster that AEW didn't even fly to London, even just to be yeah. there, you know? Yeah. I mean, Stat you put Ruby Statlander, in there for two seconds. Statlander being one of them who weren't, yeah. wasn't even in... I feel, like, I feel like for such a monumentous occasion for your company, you would want Everybody. all the talent just, just to be there. You yes. Know? So, like, maybe there was a reason she didn't go or... Something like that, but I, I just found that weird. Um, in terms of All Out, there's only five announced matches. Uh, Luchasaurus versus Darby Allen for the TNT Championship. Miro okay. versus Powerhouse Hobbs. Uh, mm. Statlander versus Ruby Soho for the TBS Championship. Uh, Orange Cassidy will defend the uh, International Championship against either Penta El Cerro Miedo or John Moxley, depending on who wins their match at on Dynamite this week. And we know who's winning that match. Come on, I, I'm assuming John Moxley. Um, I'd assume. And then the one that I'm probably looking forward to: Kenny Omega versus Kanosuke Takeshita. So that's yeah, that that's going to be a good one. Yeah, that'll be a good one. That'll be a fun watch. Obviously, um, the then, like, so this this pay-per-view is this coming Sunday, right? I think so, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's the it's third, the, yeah. Yeah, the third, which is crazy because isn't WWE's, the, the I guess, the day before? Yeah, the second. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, well, you know, going to be a lot of wrestling this weekend. <laughs> yeah, you know, next week's show is going to be a busy. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be wild. Wow. I mean, yeah, wow. Um, yeah. Wow, that's so crazy. That's so crazy that they're, they're What a time to be on. alive. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's wrestling boom period, you know? Yeah, yeah, you could definitely, you could definitely say that. Um, which is funny because that's what our next question is, but it is not for mom. That was all her questions. So thank you as always. Thank you, mom. 
Let's go on to Jack's questions. And again, funny that you mentioned that because Jack said, I really hope wrestling fans can come together and see that we're in a special era of wrestling. We're in a new boom period, something this industry has been asking for for the last two decades. I love that each company is putting out unique products, trying to one up each other. Yeah, it's funny what competition will do to you. It forces you to actually look and be like, hey, maybe we're getting a little complacent there. You might want to step it up a little bit. And I think they have. And it's the the worst part is, is that uh, it's such an idealistic thing to say of like, oh, well, I wish the fans can just re I mean, obviously not Jack, but it's just the fact that it's just is so idealistic because fans are so tribalistic about things that Mm -hmm. the fact that fans can't just realize that we're in a really good period of wrestling right now because we're too busy worried about which is better. It's just like that's why Jack's statement's so idyllic and it's sad because it's a common, it's a common sense phrase. It's just right. It's, it's like something that shouldn't even have to be uttered literally. Yes. But it's the truth though. It's just like, yeah, we're getting a lot of good stuff right now. We got like WWE, you got the judgment day and you got the bloodline on AW side. You just had all in, you have all the, you have, all this stuff going on right now and people are still going to find a way to be like, well, this one, this promotion is better because of this. It's just like, can we just not right. enjoy what we are getting? Please. I'm begging yeah. you. That's, no, that's why I said, I, I said on Twitter, you know, it would be nice if like WWE publicly like, you know, through, through some props at AEW, you know, maybe send yeah. them a, a fruit basket or a, or yeah. a tweet a tweet from triple h because i think coming from triple h it would kind of be expected like he's the after everything he's the the rah rah wrestling guy and he just wants the wrestling industry to thrive so i felt like if 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 wwe did that kind of threw 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 a couple flowers their way it would end the tribalism you know that's the discourse on the internet and it would just show some some unity uh, within the industry, especially after a trying week, after losing Bray Wyatt, losing Terry Funk, you know that was that was a blow to the wrestling industry. That kind of like it was like a gut punch, you know. It, um, yeah. So just just to show, like, hey, you know, pretty good that you guys did that. You don't have to fucking like bow down to them, you know, or anything just like that. Acknowledge like, it. You know, yeah, just be like, hey, that's that's pretty good. We're happy for you guys and you know we wish you continued success that i mean that's just me that's what i would have done you know just to just to show that hey we're not all assholes you know and and again the the idea that there's tribalism between aw and wwe makes no sense because they're all friends yeah they, they literally all, they all laugh at you when you guys post these tweets about this one is better than that one and this one's doing that they 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 literally laugh at you you know they all go out to dinner together and laugh at you you know so it's just like however though however wwe doesn't help himself because i don't know if you noticed this so apparently they have a deal now with the nfl and they have these um these legacy belts that you can spend five six hundred dollars on i think um not gonna lie the Steeler one looks nice i was gonna, Won't say, buy I was gonna it. say get you a, get you a Steelers one i i mean it <laughs> we will both give each other our own belts we'll spend twelve hundred dollars <laughs> between the two of us for the belts um however 
The uh, funny little thing about that is that the Jacksonville Jaguars one is nowhere to be found. Can't imagine why. When I read that, I was just like, of course. Of yeah, course. I want to see I want to like... see if they put it on there. I want to see if they were being slick about it, but I'm kind of tempted. We're, we're doing some research live on air, so. Yeah, it's just, I would, I would like, that's. Because it literally says on the art on the article, all thirty-two teams. There are thirty-two teams. Like Jacksonville yeah. is one of them. Um. All right. Yeah, so let's see. Just... Um. Ugh. See the Dallas Cowboys one that makes me want to puke. <laughs> Same with the Eagles. Ugh. Yeah, the Giants one doesn't look too bad. Um. Nice. Yeah, five, $550 a belt. So, you know, we no, can handle that. I'm, I'm good on that. <laughs> yeah. God, that Steelers one looks nice, though. Anyway, um, so let's see. Let's go. We see all the shitty teams that we don't like. <laughs> see the Ravens. They can fuck off. The Browns. Patriots definitely can fuck off. Um, <laughs> Bengals, absolutely. Yeah, they don't have the, they don't have the Jacksonville Jaguars belt on there. You might not want to say all thirty two teams if you're not going to put them on there. But I'm yeah, sure, I'm sure the the comments on Twitter are like, "Well, where's the Jacksonville belt?" You know, it's yeah. Just like, like next thing you know, WWE is going to put that one front and center. <laughs> like, see, and that's the thing I don't get here, where it's like the wrestlers themselves will say there is no tribalism, guys. You guys are literally making it. Like, you're a joke at this point. And then they pull this kind of shit, the company. So it's like, you're kind of yeah. making your wrestlers look stupid because they're like, like really? No. It's just, you know. It's, it's dumb. Just, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's dumb. It's just dumb. Yeah. Like, the whole idea that there there is a war, that one company is, is better than the other you know it's just like can't we just enjoy the fact that again wrestling is in a boom period because wwe is the most creative it's been in 20 years you know so yeah. it's like and and like i i like AEW and everything like that and if, but if you were to ask me like i would choose wwe nine times out of ten because they yeah. they just they they do things wrong, but when they do things right, they show that they're the industry leader. And it, again, yeah. it's nothing—it's nothing against AEW, but I felt—I feel like if you're—if your sole purpose is to chase the the coattails of WWE to try to get on their level, you're 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 vastly missing the point, you know? Yeah. Because that's where that's where ultimately WCW failed. That's where. TNA failed like they were trying to chase and get on the same level as WWE and that's never going to happen but where you can carve your own name is giving people an an alternative you know and for for the longest when AEW first came on the scene they were doing that but I I feel like they kind of lost steam you know hopefully with all in all in being such a successful uh event that just kind of rejuvenated them to get back on on the right path and and deliver a great product i i sure hope so i really hope <laughs> i i can't stop looking at that belt it looks really nice it looks really cool though yeah. i'm not gonna lie um 
yeah maybe i should get that for my dad for his birthday um oh, absolutely not right. though he would that. uh he would until he would figure out how much it would be and then he would absolutely kick my ass if he knew i spent that much <laughs> money um but um my thing is i don't know where he would put that he's he loves the steelers but he's not that like it's a he's a very weird mix of he is definitely like he's grown up with the Steelers like his entire life whatever but he's not like the obsessed fan that has like he doesn't dress up he'll put the jerseys on obviously but he I couldn't see him carrying that around anywhere I couldn't see myself carrying that around anywhere but go go to games with it on yeah just, and the no I I'm telling you right now the moment I see one of these belts. At Acrisure Stadium this season, I am messaging you and letting you know right away because someone's going to do it. Somebody's got to do it. <laughs> and I won't be surprised if there will be someone doing it because Steelers fans are the best fans in football. I'm just saying it right now. But anyway, we're going to move on. So before we start our fight. Um, so, so Jack's next um, comment was more of a, a meme. And I'm sure you saw what it was where the... Um, AEW All Out headlines right now is uh, local man ruins everything and it's a picture of uh, CM Punk so <laughs> I say that's pretty accurate yeah the memes that are coming out of this situation are, are top tier like I think oh, yeah. they're better they're better than the brawl out memes I think I think so because I've seen, I've seen some doozies uh, yeah um, that were just like wow like uh, just, the internet god damn <laughs> you'll never there will never be a situation that is so serious that the internet can't make fun of it exactly it's just it's just it's too good the the memes write themselves at this point let's be honest yeah uh alrighty so we did talk about this earlier but we can talk about it a little bit more so Soraya winning was a great moment, especially after everything she's went through. But did we think it was the right call? I, like I said, I'm not going to say yes or no just yet. I want to see if she can handle the pressures of being the champion of this division. So was it the right call? I'm not entirely sure yet. Yeah, I think, I think I'm with you there. I think that's my position as well. It's not so much, again, I I would be on the fence about giving her the belt, but what would put me over is like it's being that it's in London, in her home country, in front of her family. So that's a feel good moment that just makes sense. So I probably would have done it, but I can see the hesitation because again, you don't know if she can keep that workhorse vibe with the title uh, and, and be the anchor that the division you know needs right now. So. What I would do is just have her take on all comers, you know, Willow yeah. Nightingale, uh, Sky Blue. Um, you could even poor Sky, you know, poor, poor Sky. I I feel like Sky Blue. Um, it's just like she's got so much upside and so much potential that if you give her like two, three more years, she could be the champion. She could be that anchor. Yeah. Uh, but, you just but have to like, have her win a match, though. Yeah. And she and she was on a hot streak too. Or she was winning matches, yeah. and then they kind of stalled it out. But like, she's another one. I would love to see Julia Hart start getting in the ring yeah. consistently, um, because I think her character is, is just so great. So there's a lot of things that they can do to kind of make the rain seem legitimate. It's just whether or not they're going to put time into it. 
Yeah, I completely agree. And another part of the question was, was she just title reign, just a knee jerk reaction to the book, the women's division better sign. I mean, kind of hard to argue against it. Yeah, but I, I wish they would have not have just given her the title for a month, you know, and yeah. just to take it off of her. Yeah, you know, she, that, I, just, we said it. We, she deserved way better than that. Yeah, for that, they should have just kept it on Tony Storm because, like, I don't even think people came out of Dynamite 200 thinking Sheeta was going to win. No, I, I know you and I sure didn't because we're just like, all right, well, we know how this is going to go. And then clearly yeah, we didn't know, yeah. but... And, like, the crowd was even on in, at All In was kind of pro-Sheeta. They were, like, really yeah. pro-Sheeta. But, like... I mean, the, to be fair, they were pro... Like, they were pro-Brit more than anybody, but she had no... There was no way she was one of that match at all, but... Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was just a... That was kind of interesting. However, though, if Sheeta wouldn't have lost the title, or... <laughs> it's just tough. If Tony wouldn't have lost, we wouldn't have gotten the character, though, so... That's true. But that's true. I do like way, this character because because she seems like so she's just unhinged. Like she's like Yeah, I was literally gonna say unhinged. <laughs> it's just, yeah, she's like in her she's like in her psychotic era. It's just like yeah, it's crazy. Throwing shoes. Yeah. Doing Punching moms. You know, I would <laughs> I wish I could have those moments at work where it's just like yeah. Nobody talk to me. I'm disgraced. If you look at me wrong, I'm going to throw my shoe at you. Like Everybody wishes they could have that kind of psychotic break at work once in a while. But yeah. yeah um, time will just tell on how the women's division is going to look. And we just pray that. I also know one more little gripe before we keep moving on. Why did they not have Jamie at least show up for a minute? Like, a I get that she's not. That. Come on. Like, for fuck's sake. Like. Give her a moment. Like, you guys you guys literally played into every single goddamn opportunity to get a pop from that crowd, and you mean to tell me you couldn't get Jamie out there? Come on. Yeah, like, I mean, if they would have... If if Ruby would have went out of there in a different instance, not to break up the issue between Tony and Soraya, and yeah. maybe tried to, like, go out there to, like, help one of them win, you could have had Jamie come out you know, and kind of not do anything physical, but like take Ruby and kind of grab her by the hair and march her backstage or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like just to, something. Yeah, just to get the the quick pop, uh, the Jamie Heater pop. But again, like a lot of people were saying, like, you know, that's the good thing about all in 2024 going back to London because now that'll give the opportunity to do that with Hater. Not only that, but there's a possibility that they'll revisit Danielson and Nigel McGuinness. Because yeah. Nigel McGinnis keeps like throwing shots at Brian Danielson every chance he gets, like it, it's great stuff. So that's another great thing about AEW going back to London next year again is the opportunity to to refine things and to take the opportunities that they missed this go around. Yeah, I completely agree. So let's just hope that <sighs> let's just hope that Jamie comes mm -hmm. back sooner rather than later. I just miss Jamie. <laughs> yeah, I think we miss hater hater Mrs. Jamie. Uh, speaking of all in, what was our favorite match and our favorite moment? There were quite a few of my favorite moments. Um, yeah, my favorite match would probably be uh, the opener because I, I just think it was a great match between Samoa Joe and CM Punk. Yeah. Probably better 
better than that collision match uh mm-hmm. was but that was one that stu- stuck out to me um I, every match was was either good to great like you know yeah. it wasn't like mind-blowing but like there was nothing that was offensive uh obviously the crowd was in it all, all the way through the whole time the whole event so that was great um every match at least delivered to their height yeah i'd say my favorite match was probably ftr on the young box mm. it was a wild one um genuinely surprised ftr won given the circumstances but you know um not gonna complain um moments there were so many favorite moments of mine um uh tony hitting soraya's mom that was one uh stomp the stomp like we talk about um house of blacks entire entrance like with the fireflies and lantern that just like got me right in the feels um Mm -hmm. (laughs) so this one i think just just because it just sticks out in my mind as a mental scar um the the skewers the wooden skewers just sticking out of his head and it's just like oh stop please just stop they they were in there deep oh and then they like splintered out and they all like fanned out and it's just like oh this is making this worse please stop like oh my god it was it was too much in a good way it was too much but i also wish eddie would have lit somebody on fire like (laughs) why didn't he light somebody on fire like whatever but um yeah i'd say those are probably my Um, favorite match and moments yeah um my favorite moments probably the house of black entrance uh obviously was was great just the the gear like coming out in completely white and gold gear you know with the mask and everything that was just so cool uh the presentation was just phenomenal uh and and will osprey's entrance was crazy yeah that was insane (laughs) and it made me laugh because when he showed up on dynamite the wednesday before they played the united empire theme and he yeah. went on Twitter and he was like, no heat, but you're playing the wrong theme. I need you guys to play this theme for All In or else it's just not going to work. So, like, yeah. they played the elevated theme and that's just a just such a banger theme, you know, oh, and, yeah. like, in front of the, the country. And I felt like th- that was one where the presentation with the with the pyro and the, the exterior pyro and the outside of the stadium, all of that just hit very well. You know, it was really cool because obviously – He's in his home country and stuff like that. So that was really cool. Yeah, I agree. That was a good one, too. Um, Jericho singing Judas was not. Um, I, I, I muted my TV. I don't, I don't give a shit about that. I wasn't paying attention, but I, <laughs> from what I was paying attention to, I'm like, eh, this is all right, I guess. I, I, but, I, 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 but like credit to credit to Jericho. The match was really good. I will, I will yeah. give Jericho that. The match was good. He did look a little uh, gassed towards the end, you know, but other than that, but you know, like he did pull out some cool stuff, like reversing the, the Stormbreaker into a Rana and then putting on the Lion Tamer. Like that stuff was really good. So I got to give Jericho credit there. Uh, But as far as Fozzie or Judas, I give a shit. Yeah. Okay. I will say though, and I don't know if I was the only one that noticed this when they panned out to like the outside of Wembley, when they did like the pyro for some of the wrestlers, did you notice that the entire parking lot around that entire stadium was just empty? Yeah. There were no cars weird, there. Though. Yeah. Cause <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, where, 
where's the cars? Because you know, when they show that outside of Lincoln Financial Field shot at WrestleMania 40, you know that parking lot is going to be full of cars. Where were the cars? Like, yeah, that that's a little weird. Like, you know, and it was confusing. Probably, like, I would have like. It's interesting because they started this show. British time was like five o'clock, you know, yeah. which I guess was was good because in terms of traffic, getting home, you know, stuff like that. But I probably would have started the show a little bit later, yeah, just so that py- that pyro looks good. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of an odd like time, but yeah, it was I mean, just it I don't know. That was just one of those things where I'm like, what, what is this? Is kind of weird. It worked because it was it was fun to uh, wake up and, you know, kind of get ready for a pay-per-view and not have to worry, you know, ending ending late or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, believe it or not, Jack actually disagrees with us about the all-in main event. He mm. actually enjoyed it. He felt like it was structured, well, kind of like what we were also talking about, too. He felt it was structured like a bloodline match, good wrestling, ref bumps, emphasis on the trash talking, drama on the characters. He, though, thinks them staying friends is way more interesting than if one of them turned. I mean, like I said, like, that's the the main sentiment with a lot of people. So, I mean, I can't hate it. You know, wrestling is subjective. You like what you like. Um... I, I I it's not that I didn't like the match. I I actually did like the match, but you could tell that the match was was very produced. You know, yeah. like it was yeah. very we're we're going to do this spot here, this spot there, there's going to be some posturing, some posing. Um and again, I felt like the post-match stuff kind of took away some shine from the match. You know? Yeah. And for for not for for nothing really because again, they just Teased it, teased it, teased it, and then went home, fade to black. Everybody go home, have a good night. You know? Yeah, because we always just assume something's going to happen at the end of the show because that's just what we've been preconditioned to believe. And then when it doesn't, we're like, wait, what? Yeah, so maybe it's our fault. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. I don't know, whatever. But still, um, who knows? But I do agree. It was just... uh, Felt more like a WWE pay-per-view match than than an AEW pay-per-view match. So... Yes. But, but like a, a lot of a lot of uh MJF matches are kind of produced that way. So it makes me wonder. Like I honestly don't think he's going anywhere when his contract is up. But no, I don't think so. In, in the crazy world of hypotheticals, if he was to go to WWE, I feel like he would succeed he would succeed there because it's just right up his alley in terms of entertainment. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Like, that's the beauty of being a wrestling fan. It is subjective. And, yeah. I'm just interested to see what they do now with this because something's got to give at some point. Yeah, it's but. just, I want to see, I'm, I'm, at least I'm interested in the end game. So I'm interested in Yeah. Something. Yeah, at least we're not like, yeah, great, here we go. I'm just going <laughs> to. I guess I'm going to watch this, like, whatever, but we're intrigued in some form or fashion. Yeah. Anyway, so now we move on to a WWE question. Uh, what are our thoughts on Miz versus LA Knight so far? Um, I think the stuff that Miz did last night was great. Yeah, you know, he had that crowd hook line sinker. <laughs> yeah, and then, like, 
he was just and then he was doing the la night yeah thing and it was it was it's just that's the that's the brilliance of the miz that we don't get to see too often so yeah like i'm i'm glad this is happening at payback because it it makes a lot of sense in terms of the trajectory of what they want to do with la night they kind of want to build them up slowly and not just strap the rocket to him and have him go off you know so I, yeah. I kinda I I kinda dig it. I think it's gonna be a great match. These are two guys, they're veterans, so they're gonna have a pretty decent match. Uh and it's been it's been good build up. Like I feel like for the time being, and it's kinda early to tell, but if they're giving the bloodline a little bit of a break to kind of cool not cool off but but not burn themselves out, you know, having these little different things like Shinsuke and Seth. That stuff yeah. is really good as well. Uh, the LA night and Miz stuff is great because it's like, it's almost like, like LA night was doing a version of the Miz, like the Miz obnoxiousness and yeah. pretentiousness and over the top attitude. He was doing it. He was doing it like the Miz, but he was getting it over with the fans where Miz has kind of always been treading water. So, like, Miz yeah. took offense to that. So, like, it, it makes a lot of sense. It's good stuff. Yeah, I completely agree, and I can't wait to see them. Uh, I don't think they're on the payback card, if I'm right. Oh, yeah, they are, so that's going to be great. Another good match I get to miss, but whatever. <laughs> you should have went to the show. <sighs> I t- uh, there was no way I was justifying paying those prices for, <laughs> for tickets. Well... It doesn't matter. We're having a watch party in my apartment with a couple friends, so it's fine. Well, it is what it is. We'll still have fun. Oh, it's going to be a great time, but it's never the same watching it on TV as opposed to obviously being in the arena when it happens, but eh, oh well. Maybe next pay-per-view. Who knows? Um... All right, so we're back on the Judgment Day. It feels like they've been spinning their wheels for a while, and Jack would like to know, will their story progress at Payback? Because they are, well, Finn and Damian are wrestling Kevin and Sammy for the Undisputed Tag Team titles in a, as of course I like it, a Steel City street fight in true Pittsburgh fashion. Mm, That might be crazy. It's going to be a little wild. Yeah, Kevin Kevin Owens is a low-key nut job, so. He does like those street fights. Yeah, it could be kind of crazy. I'm actually looking forward to that now that I realize that it's a street fight, you know. But again, the caveat is what Rhea Ripley said on Raw last night. She said, the Judgment Day all better leave with gold or else. So what does that mean? Oh, yeah. What does that or else mean, uh, Rhea Ripley? Please. Like, is that a threat or a promise? Like, yeah. Yeah. And they took it as a threat because they were terrified. Yeah, I would be. Yeah, anybody would be. And like, and like, uh, Rhea's match is picking up steam in terms yeah. of like the internet reaction. The internet reaction is they're they're like finally something good. They're actually kind of getting on the side of of Raquel, which is cool to see, <sighs> be, because she broke out that there was a clip online of last night on Raw where Rhea ducked that clothesline and then and then Raquel hit her with that reverse clothesline and like yeah. the comments just blew up. They're like, wait a second here. Like are we looking at the wrong person? Like so there's people that's getting on the bandwagon for Raquel, which is kind of good in terms of the dichotomy of like good versus bad, you know, heel face, stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. 
Well, and it's like anybody that paid attention to NXT knows that they can put on good matches. They had the league. Yeah. They had good matches in NXT, so I'm not going to be surprised if they have a good one at Payback. So I'm excited to see yep. it. Just as long as Rhea wins. It's <laughs> the only caveat. Um, speaking of Payback, what is going to be match of the night at Payback? Match of the night at Payback. I would think it'd have to be Seth and Shinsuke. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, like... Um just like the the buildup of it and like shinsuke yeah. this is this is uh they finally i said this last week but i feel like with the promo that shinsuke cut last week on raw explaining what he said to seth and the whole issue with his back i feel yeah. like finally wwe has unlocked the shinsuke that they were trying to get from japan yes um you know it, it's he's like and, and like this is such such like a villain type stuff you know like oh yeah he's like he's targeting an already injured part of, of seth's body and he's saying you know it's so bad that becky has to help you out of bed and you're never going to be able to play with your daughter like that's yeah. crazy stuff you know and that's such a villainous sort of low-key kind of despicable sort of way yeah, to go dastardly. about things yeah and like Shinsuke is so chill about it that it, it's like it, it really draws you in and makes you pay attention. Yeah, it's like the whole Jake the Snake stuff. You don't have to yell, just it, exactly. Yeah, be exactly. quiet. It's, it, it's perfect. It's it's just really good stuff. So yeah, I'm with you on that. I think that's the match I'm looking forward to the most. Yeah, for for sure. Those two are going to tear the house down on that one. Uh, Jack, <laughs> Jack feels bad for Becky and Trish. Uh, sucks that they can't blow off their feud sooner. Yeah, I mean, I'm obviously personally mad that they have a steel cage match at this pay-per-view, but, um, <laughs> I just think that they're just gonna go out there and just knock everyone's socks off out of spite. I mm -hmm. hope. If it were me, I would be. I'd be like, well, screw you guys then. If you didn't give us a chance at SummerSlam, we're gonna show you why you should have put us on the card and go and have like a fantastic match. So I wouldn't put it past them to just do something like that out of spite. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, I think this past uh, last night on raw uh, was a good indication. Even though Trish wasn't in the match, she was heavily evolved involved in the match and yeah. it was kind of all over the place. It was kind of chaotic and hardcore. Um, so like that elevated it a little bit. I think, uh, yeah, I think I think this has the potential to be a good match. And it's like what I said earlier before. Like certain situations, you have to have that blowout, like like that blow off moment because it just makes the most sense. Trish and Becky have been going a little bit long. It's getting a little long in the tooth. I think they're both willing to admit that. So like a yeah. steel cage match would be a perfect and to cap off uh this feud and kind of really show that that trish isn't as one-dimensional as we all thought i i, I yeah. kind of went into it thinking well trish isn't really a, a wrestler no disrespect to her but she was more like the diva you know yeah. she comes from the divas era you know yeah. like but now yeah. but now the stuff that she's doing with becky kind of shows that she has some wrestling ability and like that we we realize that like damn she is a pretty good heel like you know she she can get yeah. it done that way so 
So I, I'm I'm glad that this match is happening at Payback. Yes, and hopefully that is the end of it, and then we can move on to some, <laughs> you know, other things. Yeah. Um. All right. So, Jack's last question is a uh, Bray Wyatt one. Obviously, we we're going to save that for later because I believe uh, Mike's first question is the same one, so we'll save that one for last. Uh. So. That was all of Jack's questions, so thank you as always. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. And let us go to Mike's questions, the last ones of the night. Um, I feel like I'm going to go backwards here, so I hope I don't completely mess this up. So how does AEW go from having that crowd at Wembley to struggling to, getting for, struggling to get 4000 for uh, a Dynamite show? I know the cards aren't built with the same hype, but still, I don't understand how they're not sold out coming off of such a big show. Hmm. Different market. Yeah. That, that's that's all I can think of. Boils, that's kind of what it boils down to for me. It's like, it's the markets that they have to run are like secondary markets. So like, yeah. let's say, let's say, you know, they, they'll, build, they'll build it as they're in Chicago, but they're really in like, uh some other place like 45 minutes away from chicago yeah uh, you know something like that you know um it's just like they're they i don't think i don't think their ticket struggles are indicative of the product like maybe if the no. product was a little bit better they probably can fill in seats but i just feel like they, they run the these weird markets and occasionally they'll run like the big market show you know and but like the yeah. big market show always comes off as like really good on tv like the seats are filled and things like that it's just like these really obscure markets that they kind of venture into um that they they struggle to to sell tickets but i i can't really pinpoint it on it's something to do with the product um because like the product isn't that bad no. like there's there's things you can do differently but like it's not bad it's not like offensive like it's not like 2000 wcw or like tna <laughs> you know like you know like Jesus. they were just doing shit yeah they were just doing shit that was just like whoa what are we doing here you know like so it's not that bad i just think you know it's a different era you know like you said earlier, this is like the first time that there's been legit competition to the WWE, which basically has a stranglehold on every major market you can think of in terms of pro wrestling sports entertainment. So like AEW has to go these different routes um, to kind of build up what they got going on. And, and I mean, they make it work because the only people that are like, Oh, this is, this is AEW's doom and demise. Those those are only those like niche like uh Twitter accounts that like try to get retweets and likes and stuff like that. Yeah. I think another thing too is that it's very tough to compare an American market to an international market because yeah. The American markets get shows all the time. Like we I think we even talked about this when um they were in Puerto Rico. WWE was in Puerto Rico they don't get those shows that often. So when they come around, mm -hmm. it's a big fucking deal. They right. go to like, like you said, Chicago. Okay. That's a terrible, <laughs> that's a terrible comparison because they go to Chicago mm -hmm. like every other month. Um, we'll just say just for my sake, Pittsburgh, 
we get one show maybe every four, five, six months or so. So on a pretty consistent basis for the most part. They don't get that over in England. They don't get that over in Puerto Rico or wherever. So they will flock to it because it's like, God only knows the next time they're coming into town. So we need to go. You don't get that here because it's like, okay, yeah, we missed them this time. They'll come back in the fall or in the winter or whatever. So it's not as hot of a commodity, I guess, as overseas. I think that might have something to do with it. And not only that, but like in this era of social media, like you can scroll through your timeline see a bunch of clips and you got the gist of the show right then and there, you yeah. know? So yeah. it, it, it's, it's a, it's a different time where everybody's so connected into the online, you know, and like yeah. getting all, as much information as they possibly can. You know, as you can see with this whole CM Punk situation, people are just waiting for the next news nugget to drop, you know, at, at every yeah. whim. So it's like, everybody's so connected that it's just like well if we miss like you said if we if we miss that show they'll be back in six months so we could check it out then exactly it's just a a little bit of an unfair comparison but yeah it just happens yeah um all right so mike doesn't know what's worse the uh, cm punk jack perry altercation or fans taking sides in the fight or the wrestling journalist pumping out contradictions about what happened yeah trying to <laughs> oh trying to read through twitter over the last few days has been very Crazy. painful it's like, trying to solve the, it's like trying to solve the zodiac killer case i mean <laughs> literally because it's just like god damn guys like can you at least wait just a little bit until we figure out what's really going on but no apparently we yeah, we got to get them clicks, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. At first, I thought the the CM Punk airport situation was a joke. I thought that you was literally. Like, <laughs> I thought that was just somebody like it was like the onion for you know, yeah, really one of those deals, you know. So it's just like, and it's it's so hard, like because like Sean Ross Sapp, for example pretty credible but yeah. like he can he can be and and really any wrestling journalist that deals with scoops they leave themselves open and vulnerable to being burned you know yeah. with like a fake story and stuff like that so it doesn't make them look good and then it just fuels this this weird because there's this weird obsession with not only proving the proving these wrestling journalists wrong but like it's almost like a like a dunk situation. Like some of the stuff that that, that Sean Ross Sapp has to put up with is just some <sighs> weird weirdest behavior I've ever seen from people. Like yeah. why why do people care so much? Like you know, like it's just it's yeah. all very weird. It, it uh, it's just the situation's weird because we don't know we weren't there so everything we know is is hearsay so the only way we'll find out is probably like 10 15 years down the road when somebody decides to do a shoot interview and and talk about what happened yeah um but it's just (laughs) dark side of the room yeah 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 cm punk's definitely gonna have his own cm punk and AEW could be a great uh dark side of the ring Uh, honestly injury 
the injuries, the backstage fights, the press conference. Uh, it's just, oh, oh, great, great stuff. So thank you, Phil Brooks. Uh, that's <laughs> definitely what we needed. You know what's funny is that I saw a tweet saying that the total amount of days that Punk's been in AEW almost it was either almost or over fifty percent of it has been through suspensions or injury. <laughs> like, like, cut the guy <laughs> loose. He obviously doesn't want to be there. He doesn't yeah. vibe with the culture that's backstage at at, at all, all or, or AEW. Um, he just doesn't vibe to it to the point where like. People are just don't give it like Jack Perry obviously didn't give a shit enough to call him out. Swerve yeah. was kind of poking the bear on Twitter, you know, with the, you know, I fought two legends this week and he had the clip yeah. of him and CM Punk. Um, but there's just like so much going on. Like, like Will Ospreay's like, I'm better than CM Punk. He even said it in a promo. And the first thing I thought was, well, fucking CM Punk's not gonna like that. <laughs> you know, like, like, well, here we go. <laughs> yeah, it's nice fall last, guys. You made yourself another enemy right there. Like, you know, it's just, it's all just crazy. So, like, I, the guy just doesn't want to be there. That's why my question is, is like, is his heart still in wrestling? Because he could just pick up the phone, call Triple H, and Triple H is gonna do the business decision. But here's the thing, like. CM Punk would have no pull in WWE. Oh no, none, whatsoever. not at all, none whatsoever. Like, but then again, like CM Punk's whole thing is like he needs to be the ring general, the guy that everybody goes to for advice. And if you don't yeah. take his advice, it's like fuck you, you suck anyway. You know, yeah. like that's his whole deal. That's why he's so mad because nobody would would heed his advice because they all just want to do what they want to do yeah that, that's the way it is nowadays man you like you know yeah. you give your advice you see where it's not wanted and you move on exactly like you can't take everything to heart because if you do yeah. you're gonna be a very miserable person and clearly but, but that's the wrestler's ego and i talked about it before with with tony khan he's in a situation where like everybody creatively around him is a former wrestler and they have yeah. those wrestlers ego where they present these ideas. And if you don't take their ideas or you dismiss them that they might not work, they take very much offense to that. Yeah. You know, so it's like you got to tread carefully. Yeah. It's, uh, it's just <laughs> so tiring. It is so tiring. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, all right. So we're down to two questions. Um, our, Next one does have to do with Bray Wyatt, and it's a very good one. Who is someone that Bray never had a feud with in WWE that you wish he would have? I only have one answer, and it's very obvious, and I don't know if you all have the same one, but it would have been Aleister Black. Absolutely. Yeah, I thought about that earlier when I saw the question, and um, Aleister Black would have been... I thought uh, that was the one that came to my mind, because he did do... He did do some fairly good stuff and fairly substantial things um, in WWE. He had feuds with with everybody, you know, at one point. So, like, yeah, him and him and Alistair would have been great. Like him, him and him and Karrion Cross would have been interesting. Yeah. I felt like him and he probably could have helped put some steam behind Karrion Cross's uh, career, where maybe like they could have had matches and like carrion realizes that 
Bray is kind of superior to him, so he aligns himself with Bray. Yeah. Kind of like because they they had the whole idea with like the Wyatt Six and somehow Karrion was going to be involved in that, but it just never came to fruition. So again, like I would probably keep it within those dark, mysterious characters like Aleister Black or yeah. or Karrion Cross. Yeah, those would have been. Oh, those would have been some good stuff. And I think if I remember correctly, um, Malachi obviously did want to work with him. It just never really came to be, unfortunately. But uh, it's a shame because it would have been some really good uh, feuds, I think. Yeah, they would have been some great psychological stuff. Oh, yeah. The promos on the, the promos on those would have been just through the roof. I would have loved every second of it. Yeah. All right. And so our final, our final question was... Our most asked question tonight. It was asked about two or three times. Um, what are some of our favorite um, Bray Wyatt and Terry Funk memories, matches, etc.? Um, unfortunately, I did not grow up with Terry Funk, so I don't really have much to add on that one. Unfortunately, I'm sure. Uh, I, I would assume you do. Yeah, like a little bit. I can see where, because like I feel like his WWE run as like Chainsaw Charlie was probably like when you were when you were first born, like you were probably, just yeah. coming into the world as as a baby. So like I can understand that. Um, for me, it was always like the Terry Funk promos. Like he had such interesting promos, especially when he was in feuds with like guys like Dusty Rhodes or or Jerry Lawler. Like you know, calling Dusty an egg sucking dog. Or my favorite yeah. that I mentioned on, on Twitter. Um, I couldn't find a promo, but there was a promo he cut uh, talking about Jerry Lawler. And he just kept calling him a baby banger over and over <laughs> again. And it sounds so horrible. But, like, if you know Jerry Lawler, he has a propensity for, like, the younger female. Let's yeah. just say he did that. And it's always been like that. You know, yeah. so, like. Terry Funk calling him a, a baby banger. You're a baby banger. A baby banger. A baby banger. It's just like that cracks me up to no end because I mean I don't even like Jerry Lawler, so fuck him. I don't. No, know. I don't either. Uh, I don't either. So yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and when he went over to Japan and he and he did the stuff with Onita, uh, where they had like the exploding uh, ring match with like the the explosions and dynamite, and then there's that one part where like they had this big brutal brawl in this match it's coming down because there's a timer where the match is going to explode and go crazy and yeah. onita knocks terry funk out and he like feels bad so he's trying to get terry out of the ring and he can't get him out of the ring so he covers him as the explosions are going off and there's smoke and everything in there it's like it was a real like iconic moment in, yeah. in, in wrestling and and like but that was the thing about terry funk is like his longevity in in the sense like he had major feuds against rick flair dusty Rhodes, jerry lawler onita and then mcfoley you can't forget about the stuff he did no. with mcfoley they they really revolutionized the idea of hardcore wrestling and because of what they did and because of what he did with onita and fmw that was the catalyst that created ecw in the in the hardcore iteration of it so like Terry Funk transcended like what it is to be a pro wrestler. And then you talk about like people were saying all of mostly all of the uh, tributes and everything to Terry Funk um, 
where the fact that it didn't matter if he was on an indie show with like 50 people or he was on a big show if you were a wrestler like he gave you his time and he gave you the time of day and like he gave you sage advice that like you kept with you for your entire career and he made time for everyone you know yeah. there, he never he never big leaked anyone so um it's it's really a testament to like if you if you're a wrestler the best thing you can do is leave the wrestling industry in a better place than when than when you got there you know and yeah. by doing that it's just like being open and 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 trying to help out the the younger generation trying to you know build them up and hopefully they go about it the right way and and that's the thing that i'll probably take away from terry funk is the fact that so many people had such fond things to say about him it's like that's the, the as a person that's what you want out of life is that everybody yeah. you came in contact with said good things about you that you were a good person that you meant a lot to people and that you were wanted in this world so um you know that's the kind of like what i took away from it is just you know just to continue being a good person yeah i would completely agree with that and honestly that's you could say the same about bray wyatt too because i didn't see a single person say anything bad about him it was always yeah good stories always helping always wanting to be there for anybody and everybody like i even i remember i think like on shana had on her instagram story that he believed in the four horsewomen before the four horsewomen were even a thing it was just that just seemed like that was the kind of guy he was and um yeah my my favorite memories i can remember just off the top of my head have to be like when he came back last year all mm -hmm. the like qr codes and like the little hints and just like these little vignettes i'm like it was just fun trying to like catch these every week and mm -hmm. we dissected them for god knows how long on every episode and it was just like because it was just so cool and unique and then just him coming back was just even like watching it back because i was watching um i think it was on like youtube ww did like his best moments or whatever like his return last year just like it still gives me goosebumps to this day just of how creepy and just how cool it was and just it was just it was cool and obviously like him winning the title in the elimination chamber his feud with cena it's just like he is like we say it about malachi all the time that he's one of the most creative minds in wrestling bray was absolutely up there too just oh yeah the yeah. stuff that he did and the stuff he was willing to do and the boundaries he was willing to push just to do something different. It was just always, it was captivating. I guess it would just be the easiest way to put it. It was just, it didn't matter if he was like leader, of the, like the, the fireflies or the new face of fear or the fiend or like the, the cremated fiend, like even just the stuff with the feet, just to, just to do all the stuff that they were doing in the pandemic era, like him and Alexa and Randy Orton, the fact that he still put his all into it, even without fans there was just, he believed in it that much. And you could always tell, cause it just translated to what was going on on the screen. Even if some people didn't like it or didn't agree with it or thought it was stupid or whatever, he still was going to do it because if he believed in it, that's all that really mattered. And yeah it was it's just a it's a shame because he was only 36 i believe it's just yeah. 
it's just crazy because you always hate those like what ifs like if he would have been able to come back at some point this year what would have happened who would he have gone after what would have been the next like chapter in all of his like stories it's just such a shame we're never going to get to see it but we at least have the stuff that he did make and the memories he did make and yeah he he definitely touched the hearts of a lot of people not even just like in the wrestling like family itself but just the fans like like his promo when he came back was just again again those are the kind of promos that like give you chills and yeah um yeah he was just a seemed like a really cool guy a really nice genuine guy and uh yeah it's uh it's a shame that we don't have him around anymore but at least we still have the the memories he made and created for us and we can still look back on it and uh see the kind of guy he was yeah um it's it's just tough because like again like what people said about terry they said about bray it was the fact that you know he always had a big smile and a hug you know and yeah you know and he you see now you're seeing like videos of him interacting with fans and uh going out of his way to to dm fans and and stuff like that um he was just he was just a special special dude like you, yeah. you could tell he was he was special you know and he and he was different like he was he was the first wrestler in a long time when they 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 said you know a big tank with a ferrari engine like he yeah. was the he was the first guy they attached that to and it made sense, you know, because he was just so different and athletic in the ring, but like he talked and you were just captivated by him talking. And like, he had this way of, you know, putting you in a, in a, in a trance almost with like his promos. And like, you could see why like the original Bray Wyatt, the cult leader was just, uh, it just worked. Yeah. You know, because he, he just he, you just bought into it. He made it so believable. Um, but yeah, like I, I feel bad, you know, for his family, his, his wife Jojo, and then he leaves behind yeah. four very very young kids. And uh, he was young himself; he was only thirty six. And yeah. I think about that too because I'm 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 thirty seven. So how could you not think like shit? You know, like yeah. at, at any at any moment, you know, like your your time can be up you know and and luckily for him uh the brief time that he was around he he made an impact a long lasting impact that is going to be looked at in terms of creative geniuses you know he's going to be up there with that list yeah yeah it's gone gone way too soon and then again literally within a day after terry funk i was just like god damn it like yeah this year's been particularly bad uh yeah in terms of of wrestling deaths i mean we lost jay briscoe yeah superstar billy graham uh we lose bray we lose terry you know so it's just like it's like the hits keep on coming you know yeah it's it's tough it's tough i feel i feel bad for his family his friends and his colleagues you know that are not going to have him around anymore they're really taking it tough like i feel like like i said we've had these wrestling deaths happen plenty of times but it's like this is like the first one since maybe like guerrero where yeah. it was just like, uh, wow i don't i don't know if i can keep it together you know yeah. on this one 
because yeah. it, it shouldn't have it shouldn't happen. Like it, he was he was healthy, he was on his way back, you know, and then this happens and, and we, and we yeah. lose him. So it, yeah. it's it's def it's definitely tough. It really does bring it back to the whole Eddie Guerrero thing. Like I was very young when that happened. I think I was about oh boy. Oh, that was back in when was that? That was like two thousand five, I think. Yeah, two thousand five. Yeah. So I was oh god, it was eighteen years ago, so I was nine. Oh wow. Yeah, and I remember like it's one of those weird things too where it's like you can always just remember those kind of like moments. And I remember I was at a, it might've been a friend's house or it was like, I was with my grandpa doing something. And the kid that I was like talking to was in the wrestling too. And he's like, Oh, well, you heard about Eddie Guerrero. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, Oh, he died. And I'm like, no, he didn't stop. Like you always just, that's like the first like knee jerk reaction is okay. That's like not a funny joke, like at all. Um, and that's literally how I felt when I saw the whole thing about Bray because I didn't see Triple H's official tweet. I saw, I think it was Russell Ops had said something about it. And I'm like, why the hell would you fucking joke about that? That's not a joke. And then I like looked it up and I'm like, oh no, no. I'm like, please do not tell me that this is actually real. And it was, and it's just like, you couldn't help but just like sit there in just shock. And yeah. That's pretty much what I did for a good 15, 20 minutes. I just like sat on my couch in my living room and I'm like, what do I do? Because this is just like a, a total shock. It was just, uh, it just hit you out of nowhere. And yeah, it definitely brought back the whole uh, Eddie Guerrero memories, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, because it was, it was unexpected. You know, yeah. it, it, like I said, it, it shouldn't have happened. No, like no, it's, it's no, it definitely. No, it really, it really isn't. It and it sucks, but like I said, at least we still got the uh, the memories that were made and the matches and the their legacies are always going to live on forever because fans are not going to uh, let their memories fade away uh, for sure. So at least we still have that to hold on to. That's for sure. All right. I do believe those are all the questions we got for tonight. Wow. We, uh, <laughs> like, we, like we said earlier, this was a, a major, major week in, in the world of professional wrestling. So uh, we had to do it big and, and we definitely did with this episode. Um, so yeah. yeah. Thank you guys for listening. If you're a new listener and you made it to this point, we appreciate you. Thank you so much. This is episode 96, so we are rapidly approaching episode 100. And like we said last week, we spilled the beans on what we're doing for episode 100, which is basically we're doing an episode that has nothing to do about wrestling. You can still ask us questions, and basically we need you to ask us questions. But yeah. the questions are centered around everything but wrestling. Like if you want to get to know uh, things that we like, favorite movies, favorite TV shows, favorite foods, whatever. You can ask us that, you know, ask us about current events, uh, what we think about what's going on in the world. Uh, ask us for advice. Basically anything. The floor is totally yours to get to know us 
on a different level besides what we've been doing with wrestling for the past 99 episodes so um hopefully you guys get in on that again like i said that is coming episode 100 when that drops so get your questions ready for that again it's everything but wrestling if you want to get to know us and what we've been doing in the podcasting world that's going to happen episode 100 so make sure you pay attention to social media basically twitter and instagram both at the same handle at ringside rundown that's basically where you get updates on the show links and stuff like that and anytime there's like a event going on like this weekend it's going to be big for all out and payback so we're going to be heavy on the timeline talking about the matches and things like that so make sure you follow us on twitter at ringside rundown and then like i said you can get updates on the show uh if you want to talk wrestling with me individually check out the memes and stuff that i post wrestling wise you can check me out on twitter at wrestling cron that's wrestling c-h-r-o-n shay where can they get in touch with you you can find me on twitter at shaylene hexen 21 with uh my variety of interests but mm-hmm. hey if you got questions about it save them for the podcast i got plenty of plenty of interest to talk about believe me there's too many to list but yeah there you go and uh, as far as this podcast, it's available on every major platform you can think of for podcasts like Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever you listen to podcasts, it's available. If you have a certain platform that the podcast is not on or you can't find it, just let us know and we will provide a link for you on a silver platter. But the caveat is you have to give the silver platter back because that's yes. the only one we have and they're very expensive. Uh, so make sure you give this back. But like I said, any platform, obviously... You're listening to this podcast now. You've gotten to this point. You're probably on your platform of choice, but maybe you found it on Spotify, but you want it on Google Podcasts or whatever. You know, just let us know. We will try to accommodate you as best we can because that's what we do here at the Ringside Rundown. We try to look after our people. So make sure if you're a new listener, hey, don't be afraid to join in on the fun. Like we always said, we want to build up our little community of friends and the people that ask us questions and things of that nature um so we want you to be a part of the show so if you have any questions wrestling related or in case of our episode 100 something different you know we're always open the lines of communication are always there you can always find us hit us up on twitter at ringside rundown uh so for shay hickson my name is eric vasquez and uh, we shall see you next time see you later guys